Okay, so uh, Matthew chapter 18, verse 15. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. And if he shall hear thee, then thou hast gained thy brother. So we see here the Lord Jesus is saying, if your brother trespass against thee, and if we go back all the way to Matthew chapter 5, it says, first take it to the altar. So we see before even this, if we're comparing Scripture with Scripture, which I would encourage everyone to do, test everything in light of Scripture. What I say up here, test it in light of Scripture. Um, Papa will agree with me. I'm, I know him and I know he'll agree. Even what he says, we are, we are men. We make mistakes. Test everything in the light of Scripture because there are no mistakes in this book. So um, it, even the Scripture itself... Compare it with other scripture because we can see that people can take one verse out of context and they can twist it into something it was never meant to be. So when we go back and we look at Matthew chapter 5, uh, we see that uh, Jesus um, said, first take it to the altar. So we need to pray first. If our brother trespasses against us, pray first because you'll be amazed at the amount of times that you get all worked up because someone did something to you, did something wrong to you. You bring it to God and you realize it's not that big of a problem after all. Amen. Happens to me all the time. Um, so first, bring it to God. Pray about it. If you're still, if you go to God and you still have an issue with it, now Jesus is telling us to go to your brother and he says to go to him alone. So it says to go to your brother alone and state what happened. So the importance of this, to go alone. So on the same note of division, there's no quicker way that you will create division in a church than to spread gossip. Amen. So if we have an issue, if someone does something wrong to him, first approach him alone. Don't call calling out to the entire church. Uh, it says to go to him alone so we can hopefully settle it. Um, and you'll see with, with gossip... It, Galatians chapter 6 says, Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. How are we going to bear each other's burdens? How am I going to feel comfortable going to my brother if we don't have a community that actually values privacy? If we don't have a community where uh, secrets are uh, kept with, uh, from brother to bro brother? If I'm afraid that my brother is going to tell half of Surrey County if I have an issue, then I'm probably not going to want to go to to him for help. And then how are we going to properly serve God if we can't bear each other's burdens as we're called to? So um, it says in Proverbs, one second, my notes are all scrambled. It says uh, in Proverbs uh, chapter 11, verse 13, a talebearer reveals secrets, but he that is of a faithful spirit concealeth the matter. So now we see uh, you have an issue. Go to the person one-on-one. -on -one. Don't go forth and spread it to the entire church. And now in verse 16, But if he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of two or three witnesses every word may be established. So we tried our best. We went to him. He did not hear our word. Now we bring uh, two um, witnesses with us. And this does two different things. So first off, now we can plead with our brother, and we can bring witnesses. And also, sometimes we think that we're so right on an issue. Sometimes you bring these two mediators with you, and you figure out you weren't the one in the right from the beginning. You f so 
this now, again, is another way for us to just come together, be unified as God has called us to be, and uh, to settle these issues before they turn into something where people get hurt by the church and they turn away from the church. So, verse 17, And if ye shall neglect to hear them, then tell it unto the church. But if ye neglect to hear the church, let him be unto thee as a heathen man and as a publican. I find this interesting. So, to be to you as a heathen man or as a publican. Raise your hand in here if you're not a sinner. That's what I thought. Okay, so all of us are sinners. We know this. Well, how does Jesus Christ call us to treat the sinner? The heathen, the publican. He calls us to treat them with love. So we see this here. Under grace, it says here that we're to treat him as a heathen man and as a publican. So we've now tried to talk to him one-on-one. We tried to bring forth other people to speak to this man uh, or woman. Uh, and we brought forth, uh, and we brought before the church and he still won't hear us. So what the Lord Jesus is telling us is he's not telling us to hate the person. He's not telling us to hold a grudge against the person. What he is telling us is to be honest about his faults, to understand that we have tried all we can to help you, and you won't listen to us. Paul said in Corinthians uh, when a man was uh, caught up in uh, very bad sexual immorality, he said, turn him over to Satan so his body may be destroyed, but his spirit may be saved. And then this is what we see here. In no way should we hate him, but... We should be honest with his faults. So, uh, verse 18. Verily I say unto you, Whatsoever ye shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever ye shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Again, I say unto you, that if two of you shall agree on earth, touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them as my Father which is in heaven, or of my Father which is in heaven. So, I was awfully confused about this when I got into my studying. It's like anything that we ask, but again, what I said from the beginning, comparing Scripture with Scripture. Uh, so we see uh, 1 John chapter 5, verse 14. You can flip there if you want, but I'm going to read it. Um, and, if, and this is the confidence that we have in Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He heareth them. And if you know that he hear us, whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desire of him. So comparing scripture with scripture, we can't ask of God anything that's outside of his will. Because his will is the only thing that's going to prevail. I talked about this the very first time I stood. His will is unstoppable. There's nothing man can do to stop God's perfect divine will. So with this, we see when you come together... Um, as a church, and you bind something on earth with the guidance of the Holy Spirit and with the discernment from Him, and you do it in His will, then you, have, then you are backed up in heaven. This thing that you have bound on earth, you now, uh, God says, you've done this in my will, it will also be bound in heaven. And what a great promise that is, that when we come together to do our Father's will, not only is this done on earth, but it's done in heaven as well. What a great promise we have from God. Then it says in uh, verse 20, for, there, for where two or three are gathered together in my name, there I am in the midst of them. You see very clearly here, in my name. So again, everything that we ask, 
Every time we gather, it's in his name. Otherwise, nothing will be accomplished because we know nothing can be accomplished without him. Then came Peter to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Till seven times? Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven, which is 490 times. I interpret this scripture as being... Um, infinite times, but if you want to keep a notebook and count down on 490 times on how many times your brother trespassed against you, I guess you won't be biblically wrong to do so, but um, so we have um, this concept here. And how many times does this happen? We see people mess up time and time again. People that, that we firmly believe um, have received the free gift of God, who have accepted what Jesus has done and has accepted him as their Lord and Savior yet we still see them make mistakes. We see them continuously make mistakes. But Jesus here tells us to continuously forgive them. And we think to ourselves, well, he'll never change because he keeps on making this mistake. Did Christ not spill his blood so man could change? So it says here, give him the benefit of the doubt. Let him mess up time and time again. Continue to forgive him. Continue to love him. How are we going to be unified if we don't continue to love him and forgive him? So now Jesus is going to give a parable about exactly this in verse 23. Therefore is the kingdom of heaven likened unto a certain king, which would not take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was brought unto him, which owed him ten thousand talents. But forasmuch as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold, and his wife, and children, and all that he had, and payment to be made. The servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me. I will pay thee all. Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. But the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him an hundred pence. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that thou owest. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me. I will pay thee all. So now we see a master. We see a servant who did wrong by the master. He, he owed him great money. So then the servant, just as we go to the cross and we bow before and we say, Save me, I'm a sinner. I'm a sinner in desperate need of your grace. This is the exact same thing that this servant did. He said, Please, God, forgive me for what I have done. Or please, Master, forgive me what I have done. And the master, uh, he, has, he shows grace here. This master in this parable is God and we are the servant, right? So he, uh, he has uh, forgiveness. He has mercy upon him and he forgives him. And then we see here that the fellow servant um, fell down on his feet and besought him saying, Have patience with me, I will pay thee all. And he would not, but went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry and came and told unto their Lord all that was done. Then his Lord, after that he had called him, said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt because thou desiredst me. Shouldest not thou have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I have had pity on thee? 
And his Lord was wroth and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto him. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if ye from your hearts forgive not every one of his brothers their trespasses. So think about this. When we hold grudges, when we have these issues between each other that we have trouble solving, and we, the same scenario I was giving you before, the person that just continuously messes up, and we hold a grudge against him. We do not forgive him. We have hate in our heart toward our brother. Think about this. Think about how God feels. He sent his son not to die just for you, but that same person who's doing wrong to you, he sent him, so, uh, he sent Jesus so he could be forgiven. He doesn't love you any more than that same person that's messing up. And none of us are righteous. There's not a single righteous person in here. If there was righteous people, we wouldn't have need Jesus to die on the cross. So you see here that Jesus died for them so they could be forgiven, and now you will deny that same person forgiveness. Now, how, how do you think that makes God feel? Well, I know from reading that parable when it said the master was wroth, that's how God feels when we refuse to forgive our brothers and sisters when they do wrong against us. And this, this idea of forgiveness was not... It's difficult now for us, but I'm telling you this. It was even more difficult when Jesus was speaking these words. He was talking to a Jew, Jewish people, his chosen people, who through the results of their own sin had seen nothing, but they, they went through slavery, they went through wandering in the wilderness, they went through war, they went through famine, they went through exile. They saw all of this. They saw Gentile nations rise against them. And I guarantee you, when Jesus was teaching this gospel of forgiveness, it wasn't easy for them either. So we see a time back then that was difficult, and it's something that I think is very inherent in human nature. I don't think forgiveness is very easy. When we think about the worst people that ever lived, think about the story. I'm pretty sure it was in Texas. You know the story? Uh, it was actually a, a horrible crime. The lady uh, killed her um, father or killed, killed three people in her family or something along that. Someone, someone can look this up and tell me the actual name. I think about this, right? Um, when she went to heaven, she said, or no, when she went to uh, prison, um, she ended up giving her life to the Lord after committing this terrible, terrible crime. And she started, um, she started witnessing to everyone that, um, G- that Jesus had saved her, that she was wrong before, that she was a sinner. A bad sinner, when we think about like that, when we think about our worldly perspective of a hierarchy of sins, uh, we see that she was a bad sinner, and uh, she ended up giving her life to Christ. And we see um, what ended up happening was um, like thousands of people petitioned uh, Bush, who was the governor of Texas at the time, thousands of people petitioned saying, please pardon her. She was going to get the death penalty. He said, no, I will not pardon her. And she said, well, that is fair. I committed crime. Uh, Jesus said that, I, that uh, for this crime there will be worldly consequences, but I know because I've accepted the free gift that I'll go to heaven. And the reason I tell this whole parable or this whole uh, example is the fact that I think a lot of us, myself included, we think about these people committing this great crime, these great crimes, and it's tough for us to find forgiveness for them, for these people that do these terrible things. But let me tell you what, Jesus did not just die for us, for someone like me who may have had issues with alcohol, may have had issues with language, things like that, which some people might think is small. I thought it was terrible. 
Um, he didn't just die for those things. He died for the greatest of sinners to the lowest of sinners, for every last one of them. So if we cannot find in our heart some level of forgiveness, some level of forgiveness where we're able to go to God, first we're able to go to each other and solve the divisions before they get to a point where we hold a grudge, and then if we can't do that, then we're going to have to find a way to go to God and have forgiveness. Jesus bought this church. Now, I'm not talking about this church. I'm talking about the church everywhere. The, he bought it. It's called the Bride of Christ, and he bought it with his own blood. He did not buy it for it to be divided. He did not buy it uh, for us to have small quarrels that lead to large divisions. He bought it to be unified. The only way we're going to uh, properly do what God has called us to do is if we're together, unified, in one mind, one accord, which means that we're going to have to learn to forgive each other. We're going to have to learn to put love first because where there is much forgiven, there is much love. So that's about all I've got for. He's telling me to be quiet, so I'm turning it over to you, Marty. Amen. I don't know about y'all, but uh, I just heard the truth. I just heard the truth, and uh, sometimes, that's exactly right, sound doctrine. And sometimes the truth is not easy to accept. But we heard the truth tonight. We heard the Word of God tonight. We heard sound doctrine tonight. And if what you've got to understand is, is we can all, if, if you take what the brother brought us tonight and you don't apply it to your life, then you have wasted your time coming here tonight and hearing the Word of God. Okay? Every one of us has fell short. I want everybody to stand. And I want you to look at your life, look at your heart, and understand and know that, hey, God has done this for me. God has done all these things for me, for my life, and He's forgiven me, and I need to forgive somebody else. And we're walking around with grudges, then you need to get them out. Come on up here, honey. And the altar's open, so... Hey, what a better time tonight to say, you know what? I have held this a long time. Butch told us in the, in the prayer room tonight about a lady that went to this church who was holding on to something in her heart and she almost stepped out of eternity into hell thinking that she was saved because she was holding on to a grudge. And you will not make it into heaven heard what the Word of God says, if you can't forgive, you can't be forgiven, okay? So come to the altar. Tree of 
tonight with something on your heart, something in your life, something maybe somebody has done, something somebody said to you has hurt your feelings or done you wrong, don't walk away tonight not accepting what God's Word told us what we're supposed to do. It ain't nothing that I've done, it's what God done. And you must forgive to be forgiven. Point period of life, it's easy. Gracious Heavenly Father, tonight we come to you as humbly as we know how, Father. You know every single thought that's went across our minds. You know every single prayer that we prayed. You know everything we've done, every step we've made, every wrong step, every right step, whatever. You know everything about us, God, and you know our hearts. And I pray that, God, that you will search our hearts tonight, Lord. We know, and that we're in this world, we know that there's people that's going to do us wrong, they're going to put us down, but God, I would hate to think that I could not be forgiven of my sins. And God, I know that you made a way, and I pray, Lord, if there's anyone that I have done wrong to, or God, if I'm holding a grudge against anybody, I pray, Lord, you'll look at my heart and life and know, God, that I am, I want to be forgiven, and I want to forgive those who trespass against me. Lord, it's so much easier if we just do it your way. Too many times we won't want to do it. We want to do it our way, God. And I pray that you will look at our lives and let us understand, Lord, that you know best. And you, we can't hide. I can hide everything from my whole church here. But, God, I cannot hide it from you. And I pray that you will bless every person here that's at this altar. Lord, every one of them has got something they prayed about. I pray you'll hear their prayers, God. I pray that your will will be done in their lives and you'll hear their prayers. We thank you, God. We have a God that we can come to who is faithful and just to forgive us. Or we just must be faithful and just to forgive those who trespass against us as well. And God, I thank you for your love. I thank you for your mercy. I thank you, Lord, for your grace. I pray you'll touch every person heart here. I pray you'll touch those that are watching our program. And God, we need you more this day and hour than we ever have before. And I pray, Lord, you'll help us all to turn more to you. We thank you for everything that you've done, God. Pray you'll help us to see our shortcomings and our failures, and we can forgive others. So, God, that you can forgive us. And we thank you for the word tonight. Pray for Brother Nate. I thank you, Lord, I ask you just to bless him, his family. I pray you'll give him traveling grace as he goes home. I pray for our choir. I pray for our church here, Lord. And we just pray not only our church, but God, your church. And, Lord, I help us to come together in one mind and cord, just like you teach us to do. And we thank you for it. Ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen.